Are you a female entrepreneur who wants to make a bigger impact on the world? You're booked and busy and you love serving your clients, but your time is capped. You want to do more. You often wonder how you can help more people without spending so many hours on social media, repeating content that only a handful of people will see. Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to Too Busy to Podcast. I'm your host, Rosemary Callender, podcast launch and system strategist, and I'm on a mission to help you create a podcast that connects and builds community with your audience and converts them into clients. Are you ready to leverage the power of your voice? Let's head into this week's episode. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Too Busy to Podcast. On the show today, we have Rebecca Warner, the Perfectionist Cure Coach. Rebecca Ann helps women break free from the negative constraints of perfectionism, turning it from curse to cure, opening the doors to greater success, happiness, and freedom. Rebecca used to live shackled to the ideals of perfectionism until she saw its true cost. Having left that life behind, she is now creating a life she was born to live and is committed to helping others free themselves with her proprietary method, the perfectionist cure. She has helped hundreds of women ditch what is holding them back so that they can live the life they want and deserve. In essence, be more fabulous. Rebecca resides in London and works with clients internationally. She has a love of rooftop bars, so do I, coupled with a sunset and a grony in hand. She also has a shoe collection, which would be the envy of even Carrie Bradshaw. (laughs) I love it. Rebecca, hello, and thank you so much for joining me on the show today. It's been some time since we first connected, and I'm really excited for this conversation. If our first coffee chat was anything to go by, I know our listeners will walk away with a true understanding of what perfectionism is. And for those of you who are perfectionists, some tips and strategies they could implement to support them moving forward. First of all, thank you for having me on. Um, I feel absolutely honoured and uh, very excited to talk about the perfectionist journey and how I can help uh, your listeners. I'm really well, thank you very much. How are you? I am well. I'm well. I wish it was warmer, a bit sunnier. We were talking about this before we hit record, but it's the UK. So what can we do? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, before we kick into today's topic, I would love it if you could tell us a little bit more about you and your story. Yeah. So for me, I don't really know necessarily that moment. And I don't think when you're a perfectionist, there's any moment you decide or you're consciously deciding that you're going to be a perfectionist. But I think over time then, at some point, um, I just got to a position where there was only one way to be. And that was to really seek being a perfectionist. And I, I always laugh and say, I don't know what found me because before I turned my hand to being a, the perfectionist cure coach, I'm a lawyer by trade and I also work for the UK government. And I always laugh and say, did perfectionism lead me to be a lawyer or did the lawyer lead me to be a perfectionist? And I think it's probably somewhere between the two. I think law is, is a typical one that you get to be, you have permission as a lawyer to really aim to be perfect and to hold everybody else to your standard. And so although there were certain parts of me and my personality, I suppose, that took to law, like Dr. Waters back, I found myself actually in my early 30s really questioning. I just wasn't happy, but I really didn't know what else to do. 
And kind of I've had this meandering kind of like journey where has led me to looking at 40 as I'm almost nearly 40 now, looking sort of at that age. And now I found happiness and I'm really committed to people not having that journey. Not I, I don't want any other woman to take the journey or the length of time I took, which has taken me like a decade to arrive here, like trying something here and da da and and then trying something else. And, and again, it all came down to really, you know, I used to really hold on to the belief that I had achieved everything because of my perfectionism. But then when I really see, started to see the cost of it, I started to see how actually I had achieved everything in spite of. And as I said, you know, I worked for government, the UK government. And when I left, I was replaced. My job went into five people. Because I just thought if you're asking me to do something a perfect person could, I could never rest in my success. So I was always constantly creating that overwhelm for me where nothing was ever good enough. And thus it kind of led to me doing sort of five roles, being paid for one, obviously, but doing five. And then I suddenly started thinking, what must I have been doing to my team? How was I driving them if I was driving myself that hard? What was I, you know, and I could see the toll it had taken. And then I saw this pattern where yet again, I was in this position where the only way I knew out was to leave a job and to look for something else because I got myself in this cycle of burnout. And I see that so many times with with the clients that I help, with the women that I coach to really break free from that perfectionism. There's a cycle there. There's a cycle lurking there. And it's really hard to quit. Yeah, I think... Well, let me not jump ahead too much. We'll come on to my personal experience a bit later. But I think for our listeners who might have an inkling of what perfectionism is, because if we recall our initial conversation, what I thought it was before we met and what I thought, what I realised and learnt it was after we finished speaking are two completely different things. So I think it's really important before we dig too deep that we define it, we lay it out. What is perfectionism? So there are different definitions, I suppose, you can take of perfectionism. And I think one of the clearest for me that I sort of feel resonates with me most is the act of seeking to be perfect. And that can show up in terms of, you know, you can't rest in your success. Like I said, like success for me was never enough you know, you would be highly critical and you'd be highly critical of yourself and of others. Because if you're critical of yourself, you start thinking, well, if I'm judging myself like this, someone else must be judging me like this. If I'm judging someone else to my standards, they must be judging me to those standards. So you become very, very highly acutely maybe sensitive sometimes to that external validation but contrary to, to what a lot of people think is there's always some area of your life where you're not perfect or you're nowhere near perfect and you don't want, it's like this dark secret. And sometimes people often say to me, I didn't think I was a perfectionist because, I didn't think I was a perfectionist because my house was always a mess. I didn't think I was a perfectionist because I really, you know, you should have seen my inbox. It wasn't ordered my files were messy. I wasn't good at life admin. I was terrible at feeding myself. I wasn't very good at exercise. So you'll have something 
that you hold and you know. And it's like you've got that evidence of, oh my gosh, I'm trying to be perfect, but look, my flat's always a mess. Look, I don't exercise. Look, I don't look after my health. So you have something often as a perfectionist where you know it's like the evidence that you're not perfect. And, you know, I got to the point and I always laugh that like perfectionism is on a scale. Okay. So you could be what I deem to be like an ultra perfectionist like myself. Um, and I'll tell you an amusing story about that. And then, you, but you could have tendencies. So your perfectionism, and this might resonate with your listeners, the perfectionism might peak in a certain area. So you could be in your business, if you very have to be very visible or you're in an industry, you know, I've mentioned law, but if you're in another industry and you're on social media, you might be looking around going, actually, I need to be perfect or I need to hit a very high standard. But actually, you're quite comfortable in other areas of your life not striving for that perfectionism, which is okay. I, on the other hand, was like this ultra perfectionist where I had hit upon this idea that like perfectionism is the act of seeking to be perfect. And thus, there was another level beyond that, which was just to be perfect. So I never used to own that I was a perfectionist because I wanted to be perfect, not be someone seeking perfection. So people used to say to me, oh, you're a perfectionist. I'd be like, no, my gosh, no. I mean, I'm just, you know, this is just me. And I'm not sure who I was trying to lie to or convince, but I couldn't even admit that I was a perfectionist because it would be admitting that I hadn't reached perfect. And therefore it showed up in every single thing I did, even if no one was watching me. And there are different types of perfectionism. And this is why sometimes people think, oh, I'm not a perfectionist, but you might have perfectionist tendencies. One is where you are, it's a very much self-orientated where it's, it doesn't, no one needs to see you. And this was me. I could be making a cup of tea and I would have a narrative in my head about the perfect way to make a cup of tea. And I needed to make it that way. And I would be questioning myself if I'd made it perfect. I would be the only one watching this. I'd be the only one drinking the cup of tea. I mean, that's so extreme, but that's what it is. It's very self-critical. You know, I couldn't celebrate anything I'd done. Always this negative narrative in my head, this inner voice. And then the another one is other where you're other orientated, which is again, is, is fearing the judgment of others. And so you're constantly wanting to seek that external validation that it is okay. You are doing okay. And then I suppose the one we are most familiar with and it's on the rise is um, kind of what is, is seen as that um, it's the rise of social media and that kind of real pressure in terms to be and to meet a societal what we perceive to be as an, a societal norm or, or standard yeah. that we then berate ourselves when we're not. And it can be diluted. A lot, a lot of people think if you're self-critical, that can drive productivity. But I really argue against that because actually you have to break down so much in your mind as a perfectionist to do any, everything. Like I said, you know, I, I achieved everything in spite of my perfectionism. That's like layer, 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 layer of like negativity, of additional stress that you're putting on yourself to be able to do something that someone else might have a very or an easier decision making process over. Yeah, you triggered my memory with the tea example. 
because I know when we first spoke, I think that was the shift for me because, and I don't know if you mind sharing the story in a bit more detail, but I just thought, huh? <laughs> like, but yeah, I'll let you, I'll let you share it. But yeah, I was just absolutely amazed. Yeah, and I think this is why, and I had a client actually who came to me and she was very much like, you know, I'm just really slow at things and I want to be faster. And she didn't even think she was a perfectionist. And when I explain kind of how do you make a cup of tea as a perfectionist and how you make a tea as probably a normal person, I say normal inverted commas, but someone who's a non-perfectionist, really illustrates and how I was able to explain to my client, you're actually not slow. You make an incredible amount of decisions and you make them quickly. You just, it's just a time lag slightly. So if you think of, uh, you know, if you're thinking, okay, I'm going to make a cup of tea. And if you're a non-perfectionist, you think that's a decision. I make a cup of tea. And from there on, flows. Put the kettle on, get a cup, tea bag, water, sugar, milk as necessary in the cup. Like it flows. It's a habit. With a perfectionist, at every single action point, you can create a further decision tree of four, five plus decisions of what you have to do. And that's just making a cup of tea. Do I want this cup? Does it feel right? What tea do I want? Actually, is it tea or is it coffee? Should I boil the water? Should it be just under the boiling? Should I steep the tea for three minutes, four minutes, five minutes? What's the ultimate time? How am I constantly reaching perfection? And if you think you do that with a cup of tea or a decision about what you wear or something that's seemingly quite innocuous, when you have to make a decision in business, in your job. Do I go live? Do I not go live? Do I record that episode? Do I not record the episode of the podcast? Can I even create a podcast? What am I going to call it? Who am I going to have the guests? You can imagine if you're making a simple action such as making a cup of tea, you know, choosing what to wear, if that can create so many further decisions on something that's a habit for somebody else. When you transfer that way of thinking and way of being to business, uh, to your career, to relationships, that you are adding layer upon layer upon layer of additional stress and overwhelm and mindset issues to be working through. Must be exhausting. Yes. And you're doing all of this under the water, so to speak, behind closed doors, Because you do not want to show to anybody that this is happening. You need to be perfect. And so that contributes to your even greater overwhelm. Someone else might easily be able to ask a question. You know, someone might be thinking if it's a perfectionist and you're starting your podcast, you might be thinking, you know, a normal question would be, what tech do I need? Right. Okay. Well, someone just might reach out to you and be like, okay, what tech do I need? If you're a perfectionist, you're going to have a barrier to, but I should know that. Mm, right. And so yeah. you're adding even greater. So when I look at a perfectionist and I see what they have achieved, I'm like, wow, hats off to you. Because I know what you've had to go through. I know the additional hurdles, that mindset you've had to go through to get where you are. Do you know what I mean? And When you're a perfectionist and you're trying to build relationships, and that could be business, that could be personal, it doesn't really matter. The whole time when I'm having a dialogue, before I was a recovering perfectionist, 
I would be here going, okay, what are you thinking about me? How do I look? One, I would look ready as if to, I don't know, go onto stage and win a BAFTA or something because I would have to be so presentable. So every time I'm having this conversation, I've got another whole train. So I'm running the conversation we're having on one side and underneath that, I'm running another dialogue with myself, questioning, am I being who you need me to be? Am I presenting myself? Am I perfect? What am I saying? Why did I just say that? Oh my God, why are you asking me that question? How are you judging me? Are you judging me? Oh my God, you think I'm a terrible, horrible person and I'm not good enough. And yet I'm very calmly answering your questions because that's what perfectionists do. Yeah. Quite an alarming um not an alarming, it's quite dramatic. Sorry, sometimes I just like to be dramatic. Oh my God, there's an alarming statistic. There really is not an alarming statistic, but actually it's the number of or the percentage within society. And it, it, it is an estimation. They roughly say three out of 10 people are perfectionists. However, when you go into what they deem as like the gifted and talented or high achieving aspect which the majority of entrepreneurs fall into, that rises to eight out of 10. Wow. Have perfectionist tendencies that surface. And when you are doing a business and it is you, yourself, (laughs) it's just you, yourself. And and you. you, That's it. (laughs) You are the business, especially when you start out, then there is it peaks it. You're in an industry or in a job, you're doing a business, which actually you can't really hide from your perfectionism. And that's when it becomes, and and that's often when I see procrastination is a huge killer for perfectionists because, you know, if you've got a boss and that you have to deliver, you've got to do it. Otherwise you don't get a job. You don't have a job and you don't get paid. Okay. Let's use the example of your, like your audience and like starting a podcast. If it's you, who's telling you to do it? Yeah. You. You will be that boss. And then you get, like, it's going to, you're going to be faced with it more starkly when you have your own business because it's it's going to be there. And you don't have that panic or pressure so much. I mean, it is there. And that's the other thing that perfectionists can do. You can tend to leave everything. And this is what people don't realize. They think you're perfect. So they think you're perfectly time managing. You're not. You're often pushing yourself until you absolutely have to because it's the fear of suddenly completely falling flat on your face that makes you take that action but equally you can fear success as a perfectionist because what happens if you actually become perfect because genuinely deep down you don't believe you are which is why you're seeking that validation Validation. externally yeah so it's this really sort of tinged kind of you know, perfectionism is layered and different people, you'll be on this spectrum and it's there. And as I said, I was one extreme to it. And and I actually used to hold the belief that unless you matched my level of perfectionism, you weren't a perfectionist when I was a perfectionist. Yeah. Because that's the nature of perfectionism. It's like, well, I've someone's got to be on top. Yeah. Yeah. So you spoke about two opposite ends. So we've got ultra perfectionists validation, self-critical, procrastination. And then the other end, where we've got maybe a couple traits that might pop up every now and again. Yes. So you might find that it surfaces in a particular situation. Okay. So it might appear 
just in your business. And you might have found if you had a job, actually that didn't come up because maybe you didn't, you, you attach a different word. So your business is you and you're not separate from your business. So your perfectionism might peak when you're doing something for you, for your business, but actually if you were doing from something for a client, it might not. So it can be very um, specific. It might be that it turns up when you think you have to, if you've got that socially prescribed perfectionism, it could be that it turns up when you have to be visible, when your voice has to be heard, when you have to take a picture, when you have to write copy, when you have to market yourself. But actually on a day-to-day, if it's just you in your office or you in your house or you and your kids, it doesn't come up. Equally, it might come up just with your kids or just with one family member, with a parent. So it can be interweaved through everything you do, as I was, or there can be pockets of it in your life which are triggered by certain events. Because perfectionism isn't about you being vain or high standard. I mean, it can show up like that. It's not you about um, having great attention to detail Or having drive and determination, which is often what we think. And I didn't want to give up my perfectionism because I was like, I don't want to drop my high standards, my attention to detail and my drive and determination. It's what makes me. But that's not perfectionism. That can be a symptom of it. But you can break free from or release yourself from what's holding you back and still keep your attention to detail. And your drive and determination will come from a different place. And it's not that fear or feeling that you're not enough or you're not loved or you you don't have the right to occupy mm-hmm. a space. Mm-hmm. You know, that can come up a lot with women. You know, they're having their voice heard. They don't feel that they have a right to be heard. And it's releasing that because perfectionism is a is a learned behavior that's really the seed is sown in childhood. And your body at some time and your mind as that little girl or as that little boy, you've decided the way you make yourself good enough or get the attention or get heard is by being perfect. And then that's kind of compounded through life then teaches you. It goes through and reaffirms. So actually, it you know, and it can be as simple as, you know, if you're, I don't know, say your dad or your mom worked long hours and maybe when you did well at school or you did good at something, you got their attention. And it's not that they were neglectful or awful parents. But that teaches you as a five-year-old, as a six-year-old, oh, when I'm really good, I feel that love or I get that attention. My voice is hurt. Perfectionism is complex. It's individual. But I have issue when when people just merely say, just take action or, you know, progress over perfection. Yeah, we talked about this on social media. Yeah, Yeah, because actually... Perfectionism is a trauma response, not, not that big T trauma response, but that little T trauma response. That's, you know, your body's learned that pattern. And to hear that is just re-triggering. You wouldn't dismiss a five-year-old who didn't feel loved. You wouldn't dismiss a six-year-old that was worried or scared about having their voice heard. You wouldn't tell a seven-year-old they were stupid But you have a lot of this narrative about, oh, you know, look at you. You just want to be perfect. It's not. It's a really deep rooted thing, you know, and for anybody that's resonating with this. And I always want to give like tips and like really helpful things. One of the biggest and most helpful things for me is just to tell myself I'm safe. 
Like it's safe. Like I am safe. I am loved. I am safe. And talk to that inner child. What does that inner child need to hear in that moment? And I get connected and I tell that little girl what she needs to hear yeah. in that moment. In that moment. And I think I might be have been guilty of using that phrase before, but that's why I really wanted you to be a guest on the show because you opened my eyes to, as you said, it's, it's a big thing for a lot of people, especially as you, you talked about all the decisions and the there's major decisions and the, the little minor decisions that come below the, and it's just, oh, and then you see a post like that and that could just send you down a rabbit hole that you really didn't need to be down. So it kind of demonstrates that there's a lack of information and understanding and awareness on social media about perfectionism. It's not just, oh, you're a perfectionist, stop it. Like, no, it's deeper than that. And as you said, as with any with everything, it all stems from our childhood. So I'm really interested to know how on that basis where everything stems from childhood, and if you're working with someone who's in their 30s, that could be 15, 20 years of being a perfectionist. I am perfect. Everything that goes with it. So where do you even begin? Like if someone is listening and they're really resonating, of course, we'll share your details. They can just hit you up and work with you. But to first start getting those gears working in their head, how, how do you start to unpack that? As with a lot of things, things come off in layers. So that sort of three months is that a really initial, and that's going to get you really warmed up. And sort of having that understanding of where are those pockets? Where is Where are my patterns? You've got to identify. So I always think most people will tell you with any mindset that you need to become aware. And that's very true. But the first step for a perfectionist is you've got to get really good with self-forgiveness, with showing yourself that self-compassion. Otherwise, you know, you have that awareness, but unless you have something that can interrupt that pattern, that awareness can spiral you down. So with a lot of people, once they're aware of their pattern of behavior, that might be enough for them to start looking. Actually, with a perfectionist, that awareness in itself can lead you to spiraling. You see, this is the evidence I'm not perfect. And that can make you start really digging down and digging down into what your body is telling you is safe, which is to be more perfect, which is to not let go of your perfectionism, because that's all it knows is safe. And if you're, you know, like, like I was, you know, my journey of breaking free from my perfectionism, you know, I did it really piecemeal because I couldn't find anything. And it's what inspired me to put together my methodology. It's what inspired me to do what I'm doing because I know the freedom I've got. And I had to do it like, you know, actually some bits where I'm ending, I actually am starting with when I coach people because I realize the way that it needs to actually be taught in order to make it. And it starts with getting really, really okay with saying to yourself, like, I'm sorry. Oh, I wasn't perfect today. Like, I'm sorry. And before we even get to dealing with, you know, leaving behind perfectionism, you kind of have to start getting just apologizing yourself for not being perfect. That That's the starting point of, oh, I didn't do this to the standard I wanted. I'm sorry. And having that compassion and it creates that space 
for you to then go and look and your body starts learning that actually it's safe for you to not do something and it's safe for you to not reach a standard. So you're slowly introducing that idea and you're slowly warming your body up. Okay. So self-forgiveness. Yeah, like that real self-compassion. It used to even really, really, and if anyone's resonating and thinking, I, you don't know if you could get there. When I used to have to say the words, even just talking about making mistakes, my entire body would start going into like a, into a physical response. So I would feel my whole body getting really nervous. My stomach would be churning. My mouth would go dry. Even in saying the words, I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. I I wouldn't have been able to say I'm not perfect, even though I knew it to be true. It's this weird, weird kind of like oscillation you were in as a perfectionist. You're really wanting everyone to see you as perfect, yet you harbor this secret that you know you're not. And the reason we all know we're not is no one's perfect and perfect doesn't exist. Are there any sort of simple strategies? You've shared one. So it's about that self-compassion, just having those smaller conversations with yourself that's the first step what else comes after that I think one of of the biggest ones if you want to you know we need to start taking action in order to like get that kickback that dopamine that that whatever it is and actually as a perfectionist you need it pretty quickly otherwise you you know you don't give anything time and so I always think one of the biggest areas, and it's, I don't tell anyone to do anything that I don't find benefit myself or that my clients don't get benefit from. And one of the things that I had to do it only last week when I had a goal, it wasn't life-changing. It was small. I had nearly got to the end of it. And then in that morning, it was literally, I just had to double check it, just proofread it again, double check it, double check the links, et cetera. Just that, you know, that final, like before you press publish, before you press go, I had um, exercised, I had cleaned the flat, you know, I had called a friend, I was making umpteen cups of tea, I was suddenly hungry constantly. And I was yeah. like, wait a moment. <laughs> I'm supposed moment. to be doing something. This is... <laughs> 101 procrastination. And I know myself. And so I stopped and I was like, this isn't just idle procrastination. I'm bored. Do you know what? This is because I've got this small thing to do. So I just went back into my toolkit and that was to reground myself. And I use something reframes and I can give you a link. I've got a, a free guide on exactly the steps that I do. There's a particular way that you can prepare yourself for this. And then it's reframing and reframing is really powerful. This is not toxic positivity where you lie to yourself and you just tell yourself everything's okay and just bury that trauma for (laughs) another day, which I really don't like. This is about in that moment about taking that, okay, what was it? What's there? And this feeling of just like, this was asked, I was asked to do this, but in my mind, I was suddenly like, but what if? I haven't delivered. What if nobody wants this? Oh my God, there's going to be evidence that I failed. And I just had to reframe that and be like, it's not a failure. It's not a failure. I will either have learned something or it will be a success. 100%. Okay. If I haven't delivered, I just need a conversation and get clear with, well, what is missing? Every single thing. And it's like reframing. I wasn't telling myself, oh my God, this is going to be like an amazing success and you're just going to be winning. 
like I was being realistic with myself, but I was talking to myself in a different way. Okay. Like what is it going to be? So, and I've got the guide to how to do it and the top 10 most common reframes or negative thoughts that my clients have come with me or what I've had. And I've got a reframe in there because I appreciate in that moment, if you're not used to this, you're going to be like, your mind is going to be like, you can't even think of a reframe. You are not, it's going to go there. It's there as a kind of a guide that you can start. And then you, once you get into it, you'll get that habit, but it's there. It's the top 10 reframes with a guide of how you'd center yourself. How do you calm yourself down? And you know what? At the, I did that and it took me, I don't know. I think I did a meditation. I did the reframes 15 minutes out of my day because I was like, okay. And then not only did I finish what I had set out to, this was on last Thursday, not only did I finish what I set out to for that day, I actually got myself about a day and a half, about half a day, actually, sorry, about half a day ahead of myself. And that was from procrastinating. From wasting half the morning, (laughs) right? At 12 o'clock, I was like, what have you done for like two and a half hours? Nothing. I ended up getting to actually completing everything I needed to do for that day in the afternoon, plus half of the stuff that I had allotted for the next day. Cool. All right. That's really good. So I'm going to make sure to link the guide in the show notes because that sounds like a really, really good resource. And before we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to share with us that you'd like our listeners to know, to think about? If you're listening to this and thinking, yeah, this resonates and that you know that anything's coming up or you know that your perfectionism interferes. I just want you to know that it's not your fault. It can be overcome, that you're such a beautiful human being Mm. and that it's okay. It's okay to have obstacles. It's okay to struggle and it's okay Mm. not to even want to look, but you will get there. And you can release what is not working for you. You really can, but it's just okay. You know, just deep breath and try and recenter yourself because there is hope. I really thought I would never break free. I genuinely thought this day is never coming. Yeah. And here I am. And I finally, I can own, I'm not perfect, but I'm the happiest I have ever been. And that is what's most important. So I'm glad that you've ended on that note. So if anything resonates with you in this episode, please do reach out to Rebecca. She can definitely support you through on this journey to imperfection. Is that the right word? Freedom, happiness, success. Freedom and happiness and success. I will make sure to link the guide in the show notes. But before we go, I would love it if you can let our listeners know where they can find you and how they can work with you as well. Absolutely. If you're um, Insta, if you, it's where you hang out on Insta, I'm at this is Rebecca Ann, no E. Um, so A double N there for Anne. And then you will find in my bio a link where you can drop down. There's more free resources and also how you can work with me or just. Is it what the kids say? Slide into my DMs. Oh gosh, um, I hate that just, phrase. <laughs> I know. Like, also, why is it slide? I don't slide. Get that. that might just be me being a perfectionist. I prefer drop. Yeah, exactly. Also, I just feel like as a perfectionist, I'm like, slide doesn't even make sense. Yeah, drop into my DMs. Yeah, just give me a message. My Facebook is uh, Rebecca Ann. 
And I do have a free group for women. And you can, again, that's on Facebook, which is search for the, excuse my language, the fucking fabulous female collective. Love it. Absolutely love it. Well, thank you. I'll make sure all the links are included in the show notes. And I would like to say thank you so much. And yeah, I look forward to your episode coming out in a couple of weeks time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Too Busy to Podcast. I know how busy you are and I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to spend with me. If you enjoy this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media and subscribe or follow the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next week, keep calm and podcast. See you then.